Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're sitting down with John Farragon to talk about an important population when it comes to HIV, older people living with HIV. Welcome, John. Uh, thanks, Mariana, for, for having me. Yeah, this is an important topic, right? As, as our, as our, uh, as our pe- persons living with HIV grow older, this is definitely a, a topic that's, that's of importance um, for the guidelines and for, for us to talk about today. So, John, we know that about 17% of folks newly diagnosed with HIV from 2012 to 2017 were at or over the age of 50. And by the end of 2016, that percentage grew to 48%, with 8% being at or over 65 years of age. What can you tell us about this population? Yeah, so basically, you know, the, the, the number of people living with HIV who, who are older, and again, sometimes people use over 50 as kind of a number. Um, as I get closer to 50, I kind of don't like that number, but uh, that's the number that a lot of people use. But, you know, trends suggest that these proportions are going to increase steadily, um, especially persons living with HIV, because uh, the treatments are so much better and people are, are living longer. The care of people with HIV, I think, will increasingly involve um, adults who are over 60. And this is a population, I think, where the data even from clinical trials or, or even PK studies, which involve, involve drug interactions are often very limited. Um, there's, there's really, um, I, I would say kind of like four, several distinct, but there's really four distinct areas of concern regarding HIV uh, and, and aging. And the first thing is uh, older persons with HIV uh, usually uh, uh, suffering from age-related comorbid illnesses are going to require substantially more non-ART medications than younger people, which sometimes can complicate HIV clinical care. So basically what we're talking about here is that there's going to be comorbid illnesses and they're going to need treatment on top of their antiretroviral therapy in order to to kind of manage those those illnesses. And and almost almost always will require more uh, more focused care uh, beyond HIV treatment. Um, second, I think HIV disease really can affect the biology of aging. We know this. There's, there's results of uh, some of the early manifestations of clinical syndromes um, are generally associated with more advanced advanced age. Um, and, and, and we know this is a common issue with, with HIV. And really, I think the, the uh, immunologic defenses and, and some of the reduced mucosal defenses are, are, are definitely different in people who are uh, older, who are living with HIV. And I think even changes in risk-related behaviors, for, for example, decrease in condom use because of a less concern about pregnancy or, or more high-risk sexual activity with the increase of erectile dysfunction drugs in older adults, all this may lead to increased risk of acquisition and transmission of, of HIV. And I think, I think another important piece is, uh, you know, we're in, uh, when we're recording this, this is the month of June and uh, there is a national testing day this month. Uh, you may not hear this until after June, but June was there, in June, there was a national testing day. Uh, and HIV screening among older adults it also remains low because they're generally perceived to be at low risk for acquiring HIV. So I think the, the self, uh, self-assessed self risk and also the risk that providers also uh, place on, on patients who are or, uh, patients who are older, oftentimes uh, the, the HIV testing just doesn't happen. So that's a big, those are kind of the big things I think that really are important clinical considerations when, when people are, are elderly and, and involved with HIV care. Can you talk a little bit about disease progression for HIV and what happens in older persons with HIV? 
Yeah, sure, Mariana. This is, I think, an important piece as well. Um, I, I think there's there, there's a, there's a lot more than probably what I'm going to discuss here, but I think we have it kind of down to just a couple of them. Um, the first thing is chronic uh, HIV infection is really associated with elevated markers of immune activation. So this immune activation or inflammation that occurs in people who are older is is definitely higher than uh, than what you'd see in, in younger patients, and these levels usually decline with antiretroviral therapy. They remain at higher levels than normal, even with suppressive ART in people who are who are older. So levels of these markers also increase with age as well. So the rate of some of these age-related changes um, was demonstrated to be faster in people with HIV with viremia than those with virologic suppression on ART and, uh, uh, and in people uh, without HIV. So that's so important thing here is that basically inflammation and act immune activation is gonna be generally worse in people who are older. Um, HIV infection may also induce changes similar to accelerated aging. So there's some data that actually shows that people with HIV may exhibit changes in chromosomal and immunologic features that are similar to those that are induced by people, people who are older. So that's an interesting piece as well. Um, some of the data on increased uh, incidence and prevalence of age-associated comorbidities are accumulating, but the age of diagnosis for like myocardial infarction, stroke, and non-AIDS cancers in people with and without HIV is actually the same. However, I think, I, I think many of you will be aware of some of the data that shows that if people aren't on antiretroviral therapy or if they're starting and stopping, and especially if they're elderly patients, you may potentially see higher rates of some of these, some of these happening uh, in those people who are not suppressed. Um, as the life expectancy of persons with HIV increases with antiretroviral therapy, I think we're seeing more um, cisgender women with HIV are experiencing menopause. And in fact, um, there's just a new section from the June 3rd uh, update from DHHS that actually mentions menopause uh, in, in the women's section for, for, uh, uh, for the guidelines. This may also be a consequence of smoking, depression, substance use, and other psychological, psychosocial factors that are often disproportionately present in cisgender women with HIV. Um, and finally, I think this is an important piece, but older persons with HIV have a greater instance of, of basically health complications and comorbidities than, than adults of a similar age who do not have HIV. And then I think the, the important thing is this, this issue of frailty, which is uh, defined clinically as a decrease in muscle mass, weight, physical strength, energy, and physical activity. The people who have uh, persons with HIV experience frailty earlier and in greater proportions than the general population. And I think the frailty in persons with HIV has really been associated with a lot of adverse outcomes. And those include um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, falls and fractures as a result. Um, there's actually been data showing that there's lower quality of life scores for people. Cognitive impairment has, has, has occurred in patients who, who are frail and have HIV. Hospitalizations and mortality has actually been shown to be, shown to be worse. And then I think for people who, um, who are cisgender women, obviously an increased risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis and fractures, especially after menopause has also been, uh, been shown to be, uh, to be an issue and also potentially can be exacerbated by HIV and ART. So those are just some of the examples, Marianne. It's not, it's not a, a um, it's not an all-inclusive list, but it's some of the, some of the big ones. I think the big issue is the, the inflammation and immune activation. And I think this whole issue of frailty, I think are really the two big things that I think people are most worried about when people living with HIV grow older in their, in their 50s, 60s and, and, and beyond. 
What about HIV treatment in older persons with HIV? What kind of treatment do older populations receive? And, you know, how does it differ from treatment administered to younger patients? Yeah, so this is actually a, a great a great question. So I think, um, first of all, about when to treat, I think early treatment is, is going to be particularly important in older patients. And I think because of that decreased immune recovery and that increase, increased risk of serious non-AIDS events in this population, we want to treat people as soon as possible. I think we know that there's a lot of data showing that, you know, rapid start makes a difference, but really need to get people on treatment as soon as possible, even if they're, even if they're, um, they're older. Um, studies show that uh, HIV cohorts from Europe and America uh, found lower all-cause and non-AIDS mortality with immediate ART initiation in people aged 50 to 70. And this was also seen in the START study, and I know we've talked about those before, but really um, uh, the, the groups that had the greatest risk reduction when ART was started were those people who had CD4 counts that were greater than 500. So not waiting until the T cells fall before you start therapy is really important, not only in every patient, but more importantly in the and elderly patients because of this whole issue with, uh, with you know, with potentially immune, uh, uh, impaired immune recovery in, in that population. And I think all older persons with HIV really should be informed that maintaining this plasma level viral load to be undetectable with ART will really improve their overall health and prevent sexual transmission of HIV is an important piece. So for those who may have HIV and may be engaged in unprotected uh, unprotected sex, they, they obviously are at risk for transmission if they're not undetectable. So again, all the more important to make sure that people are on their meds and, and on, on treatment and, and are undetectable. What kind of medication do providers administer to older people with HIV? You know, how is it different from medications given to younger patients? So this is a great, great question that comes up and it's, and it's really all about the comorbid conditions and the guidelines really provide some guidance on selecting ARV regimens based on people's characteristics and specific clinical conditions. For example, for the HIV, uh, for the older person living with HIV, you got to think about kidney disease, um, elevated risk for cardiovascular disease, and also osteoporosis. But it's a couple of things that I'll just bring up. So persons with HIV with reduced renal function, you have to think about dose adjusting some of the nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors may be necessary. In fact, we actually have an episode on this exact topic that we did just uh, just just um, just recently. So you can look at that Nikki in the know. There's a nice section on on dose adjusting of, of ARVs. Um, if it's not out now, it'll be out soon. You'll, you'll be able to look at that um, uh, and listen to it. ARV regimen selection might might maybe influenced by potential changes in in um, in drug interactions and drugs that are used concomitantly to manage some of these comorbidities. That's an important piece. Oh, people over 50 also should need to be monitored, monitored for ART effectiveness and safety, very similar to what we do in the other populations with HIV. But special attention with these meds, you have to think about the, the greater potential for adverse events in patient, patients living with HIV who are older, especially on kidneys, liver, cardiovascular, central nervous system, metabolic, bone health. All these things are, are important. ART regimens that that contain tenofovir disoproxylformide, that's the TDF, the older formulation, boosted PIs or both are going to be at, a, at a, uh, a significant greater loss of bone mineral density than those people who are on nukes that, uh, and integrase transfer, uh, other nukes, and also integrase strand transfer inhibitors, INSTEs. Um, so the point here is that TDF has a, has a worse bone profile than, than TAF does, and I think that's an important piece that, that people, I think, are, are probably aware. Although there's some Talk about integration inhibitors and TAP potentially causing some weight gain. Now, that's something that's got to be worked out uh, in our older patients as well. Abacavir, I think, is this is one is um, uh, is one of the 
uh, and even um, nuke sparing regimens and even snow for alafenamide, those can be considered alternatives to the use of TDF in older individuals who may be at risk for osteopenia. But again, don't forget about with the abocavir though, the benefit really has to be balanced with the potential increased risk of cardiovascular disease. And many of you may be aware of this, but abocavir has been associated in some of the, uh, some of the cohort studies to, to be, have a higher rate of, uh, of cardiovascular disease with patients on that drug. Um, I think all these things, drug interactions, efficacy, PK, uh, you know, um, uh, pharmacokinetics, all these things in the older uh, adult patient living with HIV has not really been systematically studied. So sometimes I think we're, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of guessing, um, but ARC, ART, the HIV associated CD4 recovery in older adults is also generally slower and actually lower in magnitude than in younger people, suggesting that the ART uh, at a younger age may result in a better immunologic response and possible clinical outcomes. You know, however, I think for, for the specific regimens that people would pick, I think I would, I would pick the DHHS guideline recommended for most re uh, uh, regimens if you can. And then if you can't, you know, use, go to the next, um, uh, the next list, which is those that are recommended in certain clinical situations. And based on what the patient has, you can pick an appropriate regimen. I think that's probably the, the most important piece of, of trying to uh, guide us here, you know, with the DHHS guidelines. What about the issue with polypharmacy? Can you talk about that and, you know, explain what polypharmacy is for those who may not be familiar with that term? Yeah. So this is a, a big issue as well. It's a big problem and it's on, it's in all the, anytime you talk about um, patients living with HIV who are older, uh, polypharmacy always is a part of the presentation usually. Um, and it's more common in older persons with HIV, uh, patients in France, 62% of those, uh, Diagnosed before 2000, had one or more comorbidities, 70% receiving at least one, one co-medication. And again, you know, as patients get older, the prevalence of other meds that patients are on is going to be increasing, and that's going to increase with age and duration of HIV infection. Polypharmacy is probably the major, one of the major causes of, of really what we call iatrogenic complications. So some of these complications are induced by medication errors, either by prescribers or patients, non-adherence, um, additive drug toxicities, and also drug-to-drug interactions. So I think really um, older patients with HIV are really at the higher at a higher risk of polypharmacy just because they have at least two to three drugs, sometimes even more, uh, involved with HIV uh, treatment and may potentially, uh, those drugs may potentially cause drug interactions. I think, you know, drug interactions are obviously very common with ART and really can be easily overlooked by prescribers. I always worry about outside, outside consultants as well who may not be familiar with our HIV medications as frequently. And anytime you have somebody from an outside consultant seeing somebody, for example, cardiology or, or, or renal or some other service, make sure that you really check those drugs that they may be starting to make sure there's no interactions. And it's particularly of importance in a hospital setting, but also on the outpatient setting, setting as well to avoid some of these ARV and non-ARV medication drug interactions that, that often occur. Um, also, just be aware if you do have a drug interaction, a lot of times it may be a greater, a greater magnitude in persons with older, uh, with HIV, uh, who are living with HIV, who are older uh, than in younger people with HIV. Therefore, it's very, very important to remain really vigilant about potential drug, drug interactions and, and trying to manage polypharmacy. Um, I think, uh, I think many of us are aware of this, but really the risk of drug drug interactions is different based on the regimen you're on. There's a lot of interaction checkers that are out there, but the risk really appears to be the highest with PI-based ART than with integrase-based ART. And even the non-nukes that we're using are, 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 often, um, are often not as bad from a drug interaction standpoint. But still, make sure we're aware of it. Sometimes our patients who are elderly 
uh, her older often may have resistance and they may not have uh, may they may have been cycled through a bunch of different regimens and, and they might not have a lot of options left and they wind up on a PI uh, based regimen, which, or even some of the integrase based regimens that have cobicistat in it, it may potentially cause more, more drug to drug interactions. John, adherence is so important. Is that any different in older persons with HIV? Yeah, this is, I think it's, it's very complex, but just a couple of thoughts, you know, we see this a lot in the hospital. Some people are on their meds and they take them every day, but some often we'll hear to think is, is, is a common cause of treatment there. And, and I think it can potentially be um, more of an issue with people who are, who are elderly, especially those that may have cognitive impairment, may forget their meds or, or, know, or not remember that they took the meds and miss meds. But really a lot of the complex dosage re- uh, requirements, high pill burdens, polypharmacy, all these things will all add up to some of the issues. Depression, um, is a big issue. These are all key reasons for some of the non-adherence that we see. Although many of these factors associated with non-adherence may be more prevalent in people living with HIV who are older. Some of the studies have really shown better adherence to ART among older persons than in young adults. So there are some patients that just do well, but really to facilitate medication adherence, I think it's always helpful to really discontinue unnecessary meds, simplify regimens, and also use some evidence-based uh, behavior approaches to to, to improving adherence, whether they're using pillboxes, calendars, support from family members, et cetera. Um, the one thing I will say, there's this thing called the beers list, and many of you may be aware of it, but the beers list is a great list of meds to avoid in people who are, who are, who are elderly. Um, and a lot of times it's those drugs that cause some of the central nervous system side effects that can lead to falls. Um, you know, uh, these are all imp- important issues. The other thing I would also say as patients get older, especially if they've lost weight, always recheck their blood pressure medications. You know, do they still need the statin? Do they still need to be on, you know, the, the, the high dose Seroquel at night for sleep, if they're sleeping fine, uh, as, especially as people get older and they may potentially lose weight and they may lose muscle mass and may not be eating as much. You know, I think these are all things that we have to think about as our patients get old. And, you know, and I guess I mentioned that frailty word, I think it really comes up when you're, when you're thinking about that. So, so that's kind of it for today, Marianne. I think, you know, there's other issues that are also important, you know, neurocognitive impairment and uh, uh, HIV-associated neurocognitive disorders and other comorbidities. But I think the one that's, that's that it's just too much to tackle, I think, today, but the end-of-life care and I think nursing home care, all of these are really issues for probably another edition and talking about, you know, what this means for, for providers and also for the patients that we're dealing with as, as our patient population gets older. But hopefully this is really helpful. I'm really trying to make sure that just a, an increased awareness of, of the aging uh, of our persons living with HIV, we see it in the hospital setting. And I know a lot of us are seeing this in the clinic as well. We really have to start thinking, I think, more um, uh provide more focused care to some of these, some of these patients who, who are living with HIV and, and are, and are getting older. John, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about a growing group of people affected by HIV that, you know, oftentimes may get overlooked and that's the aging population. It's so important for providers to not just dedicate their attention to older folks with HIV, but to know, you know, how their treatment may differ from younger patients. Mm-hmm. 
We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaaetc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.